There are fewer than 30 men in the world qualified to drive Formula One. A mere half dozen, perhaps, to win. At this moment, I'm inclined to think you're not one of them. This is Desiree for F1Weekly.com. I'm your in-depth correspondent. Let's go with the Steve. Welcome to F1Weekly.com. My name is Clark Rogers. I'm the host of the program. I'll be joined by Nasser Hamid, my co-host. This is podcast number 969, December 12th, 2022, Nasser. Thank you, sir. Two-legged Rubinio is champion. Honda is planning to stay a leg up on the competition, and someone will be suffering at wounded knee. Who could that be? We shall explain gladly. Back to you, Chief. Thank you, Nasser. On today's program, musical chairs for team principals. Honda could return in 2026, and the Velocity Invitational returns, and next year it'll be at Sonoma Raceway also known as Sears Point, celebrating McLaren's 60th anniversary. So, folks, don't miss Velocity Invitational. Zach Brown is bringing tons of goodie bags. And just a reminder, we need you to order your Motorsports Memories 2023 Formula One calendar as soon as possible. It's on the F1 Weekly merchandise page on the left side of the front page. Don't forget, and we also need your contributions to keep this program on the air. Just click on the Support F1 Weekly tab. You know you want to. Nass, welcome to the studio. How are you? It's the holidays. Yes, sir. I am doing very good. Thank you. And there is a whole lot of shaking going on in F1. Before you could finish reading one report who has left, you hear that somebody else is joining some of the team. What's going on? People moving in different directions. Are you on top of these things as you are most of the time? I am on top of it. Of course, F1 Weekly has staff working on it. It's very exciting, but we sort of predicted this. We knew former Porsche guy was going to go to Audi. We knew Vassar was the logical choice to go over to Bob's. And we knew Binotto was out, and now Ferrari will probably take years to get back where they were. So Leclerc may want to update his CV. Yes, we had first Frederick Vesser. He will take over the job of Binotto, like you said. He is currently team principal at Alfa Romeo Sauber, which interestingly is the team where Charles Leclerc made his F1 debut some years ago. And Frederick Vesser ran the, it's a very no-nonsense guy, and he ran a very successful GP2 team, or as we like to call Hapidos Equipos, called ART Grand Prix Team, with Nicola Torres, co-owner, who also manages Monsieur Leclerc. To me, as I've said this before, this is a palace coup orchestrated by this talented trio. Let's not forget, Nicolas Papito was 
had Honcho at Ferrari, and these people have retained very strong links uh, at the very highest level at uh, Maranello and Torino, where Fiat was based out of. And I have a strong feeling, tell me if you agree or disagree with me, that sooner or later Scuderia will have a leading and preferred prancing horse, and he will be speaking the same language as Vassar and Nicola, meaning he won't be saying, Vamos. What say you? Well, yeah, I totally, totally agree. And I think this is the coming. I think Leclerc is really happy with this coming together of well-organized people with success behind them. That's the whole thing. They want to keep Leclerc and they don't want him going into a deep depression. You remember, I think it was sometime this year where Benotto was seen showing a finger. I mean, you know, talking to uh, a very, like, animated way to Charles Leclerc. And I do recall a year or two ago, definitely not this year, but prior to this year, after a race where, the, you know, Friday had screwed up again, apparently it was in the media reports that uh, there was a argument between Leclerc and Benotto that got so out of control that Nicola Todd had to basically interfere and separate the two parties. So, um... Something is going on that's just more than uh, not having tires ready for a pit stop at Ferrari. So we'll see how it works out. But, you know, they have a beautiful car and they have two very good drivers. And I think Charles Leclerc's frustration comes from the fact any driver knows how good he is. And I, I think he strongly feels, and he has proven that a few times, that with the right package, he can beat Max Verstappen. And this year they had it at the beginning and they just lost it. And, you know, Charles Leclerc has to take blame for himself also for spinning and crashing out of the lead. That was not very cool. But, you know, it's all in the past. Now we look forward to 2023. And, sir, um, we are less than three weeks away, I guess, from uh, or three weeks from 2023. So it will be a brand new dawn. So we are really looking forward to it. Okay, sir, next... Honda is on the Peggy Lee program, feeling the F1 fever again. Max Verstappen is the Captain Smith. The motorcycle manufacturer has registered with FIA to be an engine supplier for the 2026 regulation. This is very good news. With Toyota committed to anything and everything non-F1 from WEC to WRC and Lenescar, I think it is important to have a bright shining representation in Formula One from the land of the rising sun. I hope they do what Mercedes did, buy an existing team like Williams or Aston Martin when Lance tells Daddy, I want to be a rodeo star, please buy Calumet Farm. And moving on, major manufacturers, ex-Renault team principal, your homeboy, fellow Francais, Cyril Abidpool is joining Hyundai to lead their WRC program, and rumor mill has it that this is just the beginning of Hyundai going Gangnam style in Formula One. So the future of Formula One is so bright, Chase Carey may have to wear shades. Are you excited about Cyril Abidpool going there, Honda coming back, and maybe they'll be joined by Hyundai? Absolutely, of course, and I'm glad he's employed. And going out and trying new things, that's exciting. And Hyundai is an unbelievable manufacturer. They are unbelievable. The cars they sell in the United States are impressive. 
I am very impressed with Hyundai, and I believe they can do anything they want. Well, you know, they own the Kia Group, okay, and they are one of the largest manufacturers in the world now. And what is really, really amazing, because they introduced these cars, Hyundai cars in the United States in the late, mid to late 80s and had a very, very bad reputation for reliability and all that. You, I think you will remember their ad. They had very cute ads, 60 seconds of common sense, when they were selling cars for like $69.95, plus tax, of course. And now, uh, if you look at any of these reports like J.D. Powers or Edmunds or whatever, consumer reports, their reliability factor is in the same league as Honda and Toyota, which is hard to believe. But they've done a great job. Kudos to the South Koreans. And it will be nice to see them come into motor racing. IndyCar is trying very hard to get a third uh, manufacturer, but that's not working. But we shall see. But, sir, we want to talk to you about this. Everybody knows Mercedes was the wounded knee of the 2022 season. Who would be wounded knee of 2023? Little people with poquito pesos like Alfa Tauri or people who have billions and billions and think competition will be green with envy of their machismo signing. What say you on this important issue, sir? Well, it is a machismo signing. Whenever you get Fernando, you know there's a level of machismo-ness that you have to gravitate to. And the whole team has to follow El Machismo to the top. So it's going to be exciting. And, of course, they're opening their new facility, $200 million. Everything is fresh. Fernando's fresh. The car is going to be fresh. And they're thinking very competitive. So let's not forget, competitive... Good package and Fernando equals championship. Well, if everything is so fresh, maybe they should call the team Cool and the Gang. Exactly. Okay, sir. Are you happy? And I'm really happy, seriously, sincerely, about Rubens Barrichello becoming a champion. And not just for the first time, second time. You know what the sinister Rogers, when the cat is away, the mice will play. Rubens Barrichello, man who had to play Vienna Waltz in Austria for the Red Baron, has orchestrated his second stock car championship in Brazil, taking the title at Interlagos over the past weekend. And the Brazilian stock car scene is very competitive, and cars turn right and left at each event unless I'm very much mistaken. And, you know, there, there are races you can... I get notification on Facebook that, you know, Brazilian Stock Car or whatever the name is in Portuguese, it's live. So you can watch these races. And they have some very good tracks in Brazil, apart from Interlagos. So if anybody wants to have some uh, nice moments of Rubinho in action and winning, uh, there is YouTube available and the Brazilian Stock Car Championship. And so now we would like to take a moment to wish belated happy birthday to Caleb Byfield. He is Mini Lush in South Australia. He's the son of our contributor, listener, one of the originals. And very stay in touch uh, with uh, Lucien Byfield. So happy birthday to Caleb. Hope you had a fair income day, amigo. And Mr. Rogers, when is your birthday coming up? You'll be like turning 35 pretty soon, right? My birthday is in May, just like Rubinho's. Rubinho's birthday is on the same day as his papa, right? 
Correct, and on the same day as the host of F1Weekly.com, your favorite podcast. Yeah, absolutely. What is it, May 25th? May 23rd, sir, 23-2-3. And that, that's a secret number. And Fernando likes 2-3. Hence, Aston Martin, Mercedes Package, Fernando Alonso. Okay, sir, now I read something, so we would put this in a segment called Around the World in 60 Seconds. A look at some interesting information on the web. Recommended reading for this week is an article on Crash.net on five drivers who outperformed their midfield machinery in 2022. And this is being provided as public service message for F1 Weekly Familia around the world and is not a paid commercial. The five drivers are Alex Albon in Australia. From back of the grid, he went 57 laps on hard tires to get into the points at the end of the race in a Williams, which is even more impressive. Lando Norris in Imola, where the boy from Bristol finished podium, finished on the podium, which I believe was the only podium for McLaren team, despite having Smiley Assassin, a.k.a. Daniel Ricciardo, on the team. Pierre Gasly in Baku, Esteban Ocon in Nihon, also known as Japan, and K-Mag for his historical Hulkenberg moment in Brazil, taking pole position. And so, talking of historical moments, uh, the Lorenzo Bendini Trophy for 2022 has been awarded to Kevin McNewson for his impressive comeback, which, as I said, also included the pole position in Brazil. Very nice for him. And you know him and his papito will be racing at Daytona 24 hours next month, so that's good. This award was started in 1992 by Bendini's widow, Margherita, the ceremony took place in Faenza, which is home base for Alfa Tauri. Lorenzo Bendini was born in Libya and won the very first Austrian Grand Prix at Salfeg in 1964, and you know he is a one-hit wonder. He lost his life in a fiery accident at Monaco, and it was the image of his teammates Chris Amon's Ferrari passing by the burning car that moved a journalist to call Formula One the cruel sport. And sir, you know, speaking of this, it's sad, tragic, but part of motor racing history. If you go do a search on uh, uh, YouTube, and this was brought to my attention by one of the listeners, one of our listeners many years ago. There is a video of him, his wife being at the race, and then, you know, when it was pretty obvious it was very serious, she's being escorted out of the paddock area. Very, very sad. Okay, sir, uh, life goes on, and uh, here we are. This is called changing times. You know, every time there is a change in rules and regulation, somebody bites the dust, as Lewis and Toto found out the hard way this year. So we'll talk about some major changes that have happened over the history of Belgian racing, Grand Prix motor, Formula One motor racing, I should say. Grand Prix racing goes back to 1906. Okay, sir, first rear engine win and championship. Putting the engine in the back to go to the front of the field in Formula 1 was the idea of Mr. Cooper, whose name we find today on BMW Produce Minis. Mr. Motor Racing, Sterling Moss, delivered the first win for a rear-engine car in the 1958 Argentine Grand Prix. One year later, Black Jack did the magic to become first world champion powered by an engine at the back, and that would be Jack Brabham, 1959. Let's not forget the Germans had rear-engine auto unions in the 1930s driven by legends like Tazio Novolari and Rudy Caracciola. 
Bernd Rosemeyer was killed in such machinery while attempting a speed record. Uh, this was done on the Frankfurt to Darmstadt um, highway. And apparently there is a small, even to this day, there is a memorial to uh, the spot where he had uh, crashed. Okay, so first ground effect victory and championship. The spirit of Colin Chapman was mythical, magical, lethal and mysterious. As Marie Andretti once said, if you were with Colin when things clicked, you were on your way. And things started to click in 1978 at Zolder in Belgium when Mario scored the first ever victory for Grand Effect Car and at the end of the season took the title. And Zolder is the track where Gilles Villeneuve lost his life. Sad but true. Now this is of much interest to me and uh, I'm sure not of much interest to the gentleman who won the race. First turbo win and championship. They say no one remembers who finished second. Unfortunately for Jean-Pierre Jabouille, everyone remembers who finished second and third at Dijon Prenois, 1979, one of our favorites. This was the race where he gave Re Renault and their turbo engine their first win. It would be another four years before we will have a turbo-powered world champion, and that would be Nelson Piquet in a Brabham-powered in a Brabham powered by BMW Turbo and this car sir in beautiful Parmalat livery can be seen at Munich BMW headquarters where they have a museum also beautiful car and sir then we had the uh, they had turbo cars and they were complaining they were making a lot of uh, you know very costly this and that and they went back to normally aspirated engines 1988 uh, was the first season and totally dominated by McLaren Honda with Senna and Mr. Pross winning 15 of 16 races. And then came the changing of the guard, the hybrid, also known as the Hoover era, or as I call, try to call it now, the Dyson days. Some may call it lucky era. Hmm. Whatever the name, it ushered in an era of uber-domination by Mercedes, a very proud German brand with F1 car operation based in, based in Brackley and F1 engine program based in Brixworth, both in jolly old England. And you know the uh, the Brixworth engine program they have there? This is what used to be Ilmore Engineering, and Mercedes bought that and named it, I think it's called Mercedes High Performance something. And they had championship after championship for LCH and one for Nico Rosberg. And then came Abu Dhabi 2021. It's called a motor race, Toto. And I will leave it at that. Sir, uh, changes are coming in 2026. Are there any seriously, on a serious uh, conversation, technological changes that you would like to see in Formula One? That's reasonable. To be honest with you, more pistons is better. I'd love to see V10s come back. We have fuels now that will allow a really small carbon footprint or no footprint at all. But it, the problem is that they always want Formula One to relate to everyday life. And that's hard to do. And that, I think, mutes it. It hides the good stuff. And I don't like that. So let's go back to real cars that leak, that spit, and that smoke. Yeah, I note with interest your comment, uh, Formula One relates to everyday life. So everyday life uh, where the budget is like $300 million and a ticket is like 
general admission $300. You can only buy a two-day pass for $700. That really sounds like uh, daily life in Beverly Hills <laughs> and Monte Carlo. But, you know, I um, what I would like to see, I mean, there's too much technology now. The only thing they should really keep is the safety features. Apart from that, I want to hear the sound, the sound of music that can come from a V10 or a V12. But this kind of PCness that's going on, I is not interested. But not much we can do, sir. People with power are going to do whatever they want. And we just have to be on the Rospero program. Giant sucking sound. And we have to suck it up. Okay, sir. Um, shall we take a quick break here for uh, Aqua? Aqua Minerale. That's a really, really good idea because all that Ross Perot sucking sound has made me thirsty. So we'll be right back after this really cool message. This F1 Weekly Podcast is brought to you by Speed Gear Authentic Racewear. Speed Gear is the best selection from the top teams and drivers in Formula One. Hats, shirts, sunglasses, diecast, and much more. Look to Speed Gear for your favorite team and driver apparel and collectibles. Speed Gear Authentic Racewear. Just click on the icon on our homepage. You know you want to. Welcome back to F1Weekly.com. Clark Rogers here, your host. And now, as we spin the globe and go around the world with Motorsports Mondial and the king, the Swami himself, Nasser Hamid. Thank you, sir. And now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, our main feature, Season in a Song. Many moons ago, Terry, I believe the name was Terry Jacks, became a one-hit wonder with a song called Seasons in the Sun. In the 2022 season, we had bright and shining sun and a few sunsets also. At F1 Weekly, we go deep in the archives of DECA, EMI, Polydor, RCA, Sony Records to bring you a constant variety of musical slings and arrows and appreciation apropos to the season the driver had. So Mr. Rogers, shall we begin the begin? Okay, folks, that song, Knock Three Times on the Ceiling If You Want Me, was for embattled Daniel Ricciardo, the one-time honey badger, also known as the smiling assassin, and men left out on a cold and gray Chicago morning. Moving from Renault to McLaren turned out to be false dawn, as was the case when moving from Red Bull to Renault. Only Ricciardo and his shadow know what happened. Victory at the Temple of Speed was the only high point of his tenure at McLaren. His prayers for more performance were never answered. Lando did to Ricciardo what Danny had done to Seb at Red Bull. I guess it's called karma. Now Ricciardo is back at Red Bull as reserve driver. As long as Dr. Marco's love child is at Red Bull, Ricciardo, Checo, or whoever comes through Red Bull's Willie Horton revolving door will remain incarcerated at the Helmut and Horner Correctional Facility as Avis inmate. Number two and loving it. Mr. Rogers, I was thinking the other day, Nicky Lauda once wrote in his book 
when they were teammate when he was teammate with Alain Prost that no matter what he tried he just could not go as fast as uh, Alain Prost he used some choice words for him which i won't repeat okay but in that same team he was able to beat uh, Prost to the championship in 1984 i was thinking yesterday that had Daniel Ricciardo stayed at Red Bull there is a chance that he could have using his head beaten Max to the championship and the reason i say this thing is Max gets flustered very very easily as great as he is behind the wheel i don't think he is cool as a cucumber as uh, Jacques Villeneuve or some other you know great talents we have seen over the years uh so i think he cost himself big not just in terms of success and money but in terms of getting the big prize do you agree or disagree on this sir i do agree with that certainly he could have had a shot at it because the car suited him much better than the mclaren to be honest with you i thought the renault he had more success in the renault than he did at the mclaren the mclaren it was just it was just negative for him. He just could never get to grips with it, and that was the finish. Yes. Now we come to the second tune of the day. I'm on a Mexican world radio. I'm on a Mexican radio. Checo Perez definitely on a Mexican radio all season long. His millions from Carlos Slim were poquito taquito compared to billions and billions of Lawrence of Canada, and he heard through the thin walls of motorhome that his services were no longer required there. At Red Bull, he is in the right place, but at the wrong time. Current teammate will not only eat his in-flight burrito, but will not even throw him a bone, as we witnessed in 2022 more than once. But Sergio has made the most of his opportunities. Winning in Monte Carlo is always special. He is now the most successful driver from his country, and I hope he can add to his tally of wins. So there are school of thought and rumor circulating that Red Bull has brought Daniel Ricciardo back into the fold to replace or push Perez out as and when possible. And with them, it can happen any time. Uh, do you think Ricciardo's absence, uh, presence at Red Bull, is a threat to Checo Perez? I don't think it's a threat right now, but I have a funny feeling that Dr. Barco is going to go up to Checo sometimes in 2023 and go, Checo, I think this this weekend you're going to have the stomach ache. Yes, you're going to have a stomach ache, and Ricciardo's going to drive. Trust me, trust me. You're going to have a stomach ache. See, yeah. Say, that's what I think. I think that uh, as long as Checo is uh, playing uh, second fiddle to Max, if he passes Max to take a lead in a normal competitive situation or races hard and they come together, if something goes wrong, I think they're waiting for this. We'll see what happens. Let's hope, you know, we have clean racing and Checo gets his reward and then we'll see what it happens. Okay sir now a different type of tune to describe the next driver Don't tell my heart my aching breaking heart I just don't think you understand And if you tell my heart my aching breaking heart he might blow up and kill this man 
Breaky Breaky Hard for Mick Schumacher. Billy Ray Cyrus is spinning the right tune how the season treated Mick Schumacher, or as some would say how he treated the season. Teammate Mazepin's career went to the Ukraine front, and Haas F1 drafted men with big balls, and his performance squeezed out Mick's F1 hopes and aspirations, at least for the time being. Now with Andrea Seidel going to Audi and Jos Capito leaving and probably going back to Germany and Mick is as German as they come, maybe they will throw him a lifeline, but time will uh, tell. Mick is definitely a favorite for many because of his pedigree. In reality, he is a victim. Papa's uber success has left him a rolling stone. He has the resources to buy a ride, but I will be very surprised if Audi or Porsche throw him a lifeline. They are investing a lot of money to take on Mercedes, Ferrari and Honda. Their priority will be winning partner and driver. Winning a couple of F2 races is not the sauerkraut success they are looking for. Are you holding any hope for make that maybe Audi or um, Toto or some other German speaking human being will give him a second chance? None whatsoever. Make is done. Fini. Kaput. Terminado. Okay. Now we move on to Mr. Glenn Campbell. Sweet dreams, baby. Sweet dreams, baby. Sweet dreams, baby. How long must I Sweet dreams, baby, this season, definitely for Oscar Piastri. I have seen drivers depart from Formula One in controversial and dubious circumstances, sometimes more than once. Hmm, who could that be? But man from Melbourne, Australia, mate, is arriving in Formula One in his own special way. Piastri was champion in Formula Renault Euro Cup, Formula 3 and Formula 2 in his first attempt, which is always, always the ticket to Formula 1. And now that is some serious talent. Against a young and now experienced McLaren man, Lando Norris, Piastri will have to put in an instant Oscar performance in his rookie season. Memories may be long, or very long in Formula 1, but tolerance for lack of performance is very tight. As we all know, in the palatial studios of F1 Weekly, we love CR. Not Crown Royal, but something far more intoxicating. Cage rattling. So I can't wait for the boozy ways to begin in Bahrain in March. Sir, question for you. Piastri versus Lando Norris. Who comes out on top? Well, Piastri should send a text to our local hero, Brock Purdy who did it for the first time, and he comes out for his first NFL start and beats the GOAT, the greatest of all time, Tom Brady. So that's what he needs to do. He needs to pull a Brock Purdy in Oz or even in testing. He's got to show Lando Norris that, yes, indeed, testicles do count. Yes. Okay, sir, now it's time to welcome Mr. Ray Charles to the... Palatial Studios. Hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more. What you say? Hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more. 
Motor racing and daddy's millions go hand in hand. They take you places from Parco Monza to Albert Park, from Baku to Bahrain. One thing money cannot do in motor racing is put success in your pocket, regardless of how deep daddy's pockets are in his diesel jeans. Years and years of racing in GP2 and Formula 2 prepared him well for Formula 1. Excusez-moi if I sound like uh, Claire Williams, but having George Russell as teammate blew the lid on his daughter-laden canopy. And that was Mr. The Goat himself, Nicholas the Thiefy. Oh, sir, now it's time for some classical tune. Sainz and Leclerc, they had Vivaldi's four seasons. The season started with jubilation, then turned into spinning and crashing. Next was pit stop scramble. And finally, the fourth item on the menu was Nikki's lunch special, spaghetti culture. It was a sad opera to see a beautiful piece, piece of machinery treated that way. The conductor has now been relieved of his duties. Ferrari driver winning the championship is like Michael Jordan winning the NBA championship or Pele winning the World Cup. How can you not appreciate such excellence? And now we invite Godfather of Soul into the palatial studios. Wow! I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. I feel good. Sir, for me, man of the year in terms of what he had done with what he had was George Russell. This was the most impressive performance of the year. Yes, LCH may have been testing new parts, as they say, but going into its den, not reinventing the car like Pierre Gasly at Red Bull, or looking for the brake pedal halfway through the season like Rubinho, George gets my vote in the F1 runoff. The future is very bright for him at Mercedes. The fact he did not get the Valtteri This Is James call in the closing laps of the Brazilian Grand Prix is proof positive that on race weekends around the world, Toto is not asking him to rent a car from Avis and be number two. How would you rate George's performance on a scale of 1 to 10 uh, this season, sir? Pretty good. I would give him an 8.5. More than machismo? No. Machismo is always 10, 10.3. On a scale of 10, that's good. Oh, maybe 10.6 because he brought the, he was perfect anyway, and then he brought the 610. So, yeah. I And I agree with that. I thought I'd cut you some slack, so I met you halfway with 0.3. Oh, very kind of you. Okay, so you may ask yourself, how did the other half feel? Take it away, Lucille. Toto and LCH were on the BB King program. The thrill is gone. Now the big question is, will it return in 2023? And I think that, I don't know if they will be able to win the championship, but the car will be very competitive, and I see quite a few wins for both Lewis and uh, Mr. George Russell. Next, moving on, sir, is the sound barrier Michael Andretti is facing in Formula One.
Well, you know, Mario is very positive, and so is Michael Schumacher, Michael Schumacher, Michael Andretti, that they will sooner or later get their entry approved in Formula One, and not giving him the uh, entry into Formula One is as ridiculous as Jamie Chadwick qualifying for a super license and Colton Herta not qualifying. A few things are totally misaligned in this world, and we need them to be corrected pronto. What say you? Yeah, that is sort of unnerving, as Colton has now gotten over it. And the, once again, what I don't like, it's the fans that really get burned on all of this stuff. A lot of people wanted to see Colton in there. So, uh, once again, I think the FIA needs to expand their thought process to include fan spectators, because without them, you got nothing but an empty building. So, yes, I totally agree. Uh, yes, sir. And now we have a musical tribute to the 2021 and 2022 world champion. I see trees of green. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful way. Max is the new motorsport machismo, so he gets such more. Our next tune is dedicated to the man of worldly concerns and good intentions. And we all know what they say about good intention. The famous saying, road to hell is paved with good intention. But this gentleman has good intention. I think he's a decent man and very successful racing driver. And more importantly, next year he's going to have a lot of time on hand to take care of his new priorities. So here we go. I'd like to build the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. I'd like to teach the world to sing, sing with and me. But not the least. Let's bring some chips and dips for the grand finale. Machismo and Mongols. I think, Mr. Rogers, you would have to agree with me. Machismo and Mongols had one thing in common. They both believed in scorched earth policy. The crazy world of Alonzo Brown presents... I am the god of hellfire, and I bring you... Okay, folks, so that's our uh, season in a song, a musical medley, musical motorsports medley. Hope you enjoyed it. And Mr. Rogers, any other thing you have on your mind or you want to say about the season, upcoming season, machismo, whatever? Kelly Piquet, I know she's on your mind. <laughs> Kelly Piquet is, is just fine, but everything is fine. I, I also want to sort of bring back last week's interview with Patrick Tombay, which was outstanding, Nasser. I'm sure a lot of people enjoyed that. So once again, kudos to you 
for doing that in Barcelona. It, it was just, it's just great to listen to, to hear his happiness and enjoyment of life. Very good interview. Thank you, sir. And I'm just taking time off. You know, some of us need to rest a little bit. Yes, and um, I am so, so, so looking forward to Podcast 1000. I don't know what my job situation will be, but as long as I'm breathing, we'll do 1000, hopefully uh, from UK or, you know, Brooklyn's or whatever. And uh, we'll have a nice gathering of F1 Weekly familiar members. And if I'm working, uh, I will make sure I take some days off so we can do a very nice uh, 1000 podcast. I mean, the thousand has to be special. Maybe we can do thousand and one from Yas Marina, the Arabian Nights. That, that's a good idea, Nas. I, I better update my passport. Oh, you have a passport, unlike Dale Earnhardt Jr.? Thank you. Thank you very much, Nasser. I got mine from the Dale Earnhardt Jr. car dealer in Tallahassee, Florida. You know, the reason I said that uh, some years ago, uh, he was invited to represent U.S. in the uh, Race of Champions. <laughs> At the last minute, he realized he didn't have a passport. Yes, the Race of Champions was great. The wonderful friendship that Sebastian Vettel and Michael Schumacher developed was awesome. Absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a very... To put Michael Schumacher and Sebastian Vettel as teammates, that's, that makes a... That would be like putting Lewis Hamilton and Jim Clark or Sterling Moss as teammates. Very... Can, can you imagine putting Fitty Parley and Ayrton Senna as teammates? Uh, that's pretty heavy. I mean, that's, that's like putting Desiree and Danica in the teammate at the Le Mans 24-hour race. Yeah, but that's a different 24-hour race. Gracias. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And don't forget Milka Duno. I'm sure she's having a good time in Venezuela. We still have another podcast before the holidays. So anyway, we're hard at work. Nas, keep up the good work. I want to thank everybody who listens. Good night. Thank you. Bye-bye.